Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm George Norrie, and welcome to the new iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Like us on Facebook, tell your friends, and share us with everyone. This is an exciting new network that will feature podcasts of the paranormal, supernatural, and the unexplained. Now please sit back and enjoy Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis. Welcome to our podcast. Please be aware the thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are their thoughts and opinions only and do not reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks, or their sponsors and associates. We would like to encourage you to do your own research and discover the subject matter for yourself. are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to my show. Remember, each week, this is the place you go to when you want to hear the latest when it comes to anything out of the ordinary. Shadow people to hat man, angels to aliens, anything and everything. I am not kidding you. If Bigfoot has decided to throw out the Christmas tree from the past month. <laughs> We're all over it, okay? So, and also, your stories. This this is what makes this show very unique. I am somebody who has dealt with a lot of different things, written a lot of different books on a lot of different topics, and um, I welcome you to send your stories along. I mean, honestly, it is so important that we hear what our neighbors, our brothers and sisters and strangers are dealing with in the privacy of their homes. Only when it comes to the paranormal, okay? (laughs) Supernatural, spiritual warfare. I mean, near-death experiences, we're going there. We're going there. So go to shadowfolks.com. 
or HeidiHollis.com. They go to the same site. People just misspell my name so much, so I just simplified it. And uh, (laughs) tell me your stories. Give as much detail as you'd like, because we really appreciate details. And if you don't have questions, you just want to share your research, your thoughts, your experiences, I mean, that's very important as well. I mean, how else are we going to know what's on people's minds? Truly. So uh, include drawings, send photos, videos, tell me the links, or just send it over to HeidiHollis at gmail.com. And uh, I will get those as well. Um, You know what? Today is going to be a very fascinating show. Uh, We have Daniel Duke coming on the program. And wow, 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 wow. Daniel Duke, who is he? He is the great, great grandchild of Jesse James. (laughs) You think you know the story of Jesse James? You haven't a clue. Not a clue. All right. Uh, That's all I can tell you. Um, until after the break when I read off what he's going to be discussing. Um, but yeah, so we're going into Knights Templar and all that good stuff. Yeah, very, very strange stuff. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to get to one of your emails because those are always welcome and always coming. And, um, what is this one here? All right. Uh, this is supposed to be the outlandish corner. I keep messing with names. Um, it used to be the Outlandish Corner on other versions of my shows that I've done over the years. And um, I guess it's kind of sticking. But then I just goof with it and say it's not. Um, <laughs> digging into the bag of emails to see what you guys are experiencing out there or have questions about or whatever. All right. This one says, Dear Heidi, that's me. Um, I first seen Shadow People in 2018 in my dreams. And I was seeing them more in the past two years. I woke up to sleep paralysis where I absolutely could not move my body. My body was in another state. Hmm. Okay. I get attacked by shadow people. Tall, dark figures of the shadow people. The ones that have red eyes with white eyes. Just dark beings, shadow people. I also see witches and warlocks astraling, projecting with the shadow people attacking me. Hmm. That's all they put. I'm not kidding. Um, this name is Mavro. Interesting. Okay. Um, that's sad. I'm sorry that you're experiencing that. I'm sorry that this is something you're having to deal with on such a large scale. Um, whenever I hear somebody is experiencing things uh, to the level where there's more than one thing going on around them, I, I could see why they're being targeted because they're able to see and experience things that uh, most people have no clue about. So these dark things can see that you might have a little bit of an extra glow, a little bit more pep in your step in the direction that they don't care for, because that means you can see them, you could prepare for them, you could prepare others for them to do battle. Not to go and attack them, but to defend yourself, to not let them move in your direction. Um, what's interesting, you're mentioning witches and warlocks astral projecting. I This is why I ask people to give details, okay? Like, what? What did it look like 
to say it was a witch. Who? I mean, what are we talking about? Did they have a broom? You know, I'm just kidding. Um, but, I mean, people have different ideas, different cultures about what a witch is. All right? A bruja or something. That's in Spanish. But uh, I have known many uh, witches, and uh, some of them practice the dark stuff, some of them don't. And they will all tell you that uh, they're not evil people. They are just different. And when I think of uh, witchcraft in general, warlocks are the male version of witches, it's like a power play. And some of them will say, oh, no, I'm just worshiping nature, recognizing the elementals and, and whatnot. I understand, but you're still kind of pulling in power and and sending energy in one direction over another. Um, why can't we just say we're powerful people? Why can't we just call it something else? But these are ritualistic things that are pulling the power in. So, um, and then they point it. So it's a direction and flow, right? And uh, some of the symbolic things that go with it are not so positive. That's understood. I know I don't want anybody taking my hair uh, <laughs> without me knowing it out of my brush or something so they could do a spell to encourage one reality over another. That's not good. That's not good. Um, and I've known many people who do that. And I, when I hear it, I'm like, ooh, you know, and they're like, well, you don't understand it. That's why you're fear, you're, you're fearful of it. Uh, no, I feel bad for you. I do. I feel bad for people that feel they need to do that because we're powerful without that. Uh, you know, so I think there's just different ways that we can put our energy. But again, I have a lot of friends that are really positive in these uh, different arenas and uh, they feel they're very positive, you know, good natured people, but um, things can still kind of bump and, and, and make you feel that it's not always fluffy and positive. Okay. Um, I don't know how better to put that. Um, and you're talking about astral projecting along with you. Now, these shadow things, if somebody's pulling in power into them, I mean, yeah, they can definitely see that, you know, the one that is doing that type of thing. And they would be attracted to somebody that wanted power and are aiming to direct other people's free will. Uh, uh-huh. Or, or their life journeys. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised to see shadow people uh, hanging out with those who are astral projecting like that. Um, and then, you know, there's all sorts of movies out there that are talking about what happens when we leave our bodies, right? And there's a lot of different ideas because, hold on, people who write, write movies and pull from reality, and uh, yeah, so it's it's fascinating. You know, this this topic, even though it's kind of a little bit separate, you know, talking about astral projecting and whatnot. I was talking to somebody recently about how um, thin the veil is. You hear that, right? Oh, the veil is so thin, you know. And 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 I I hear of people who have these near death experiences, and they're like, you know. I couldn't breathe, and all of a sudden, pop, I'm outside of my body. And I'm like, huh. And I'm just, like, fully in the know of why I was in that body. I'm fully aware. I see my parents. I see past loved ones. You know, and it's like, 
it's so thin. Like, how easy. And it's they're like right here with us, all these people that have passed. Well, if that's the case, what are what are they seeing? <laughs> what what are they thinking of us trotting along, tripping along sometimes? Uh, you know, what are they thinking? I, I just I wonder. But, you know, something that I experienced once was uh, it, it, it's weird. It's, it's almost like a lean into this veil. All right. And, and I, and I lean forward as I'm talking about it even because I, I felt like my forehead might've poked ever so slightly past this veil of another understanding, another reality. And I was able to look onto space while I was walking and talking, mind you, talking to a friend and, uh, and be able to see literally the center of the universe is what it looked like. And I saw the spinning sun and, and I've spoke about that before, but I remembered my whole reason for being here. And, and the thing is, I remember, uh, you know, when it popped back and I'm still standing talking to my friend and, uh, I wasn't talking physically then I had left looking at this scene and my recalling this other place. And when I popped back, I, I did this like little pinching motion towards my forehead. I said, it, it was as if it was right in front of my forehead the, the whole time. And they let me have it just for a minute to remind me about what I came here for. Just a minute. And I say, they, like, who's they, you know, just, just wild. So this veil is so thin and people have such an understanding as soon as they step out of this body or out of this reality that wakes them up to this other place and, and why we're here. But while, while we're here, some horrible things that go on. This physical place seems so worth every little bit of guts and glory and sacrificing and some people offering up their souls to evil things. I mean... There's a lot of memories that we have on the other side that we have to pull with us over this way where we should know better. It's like, you know, your parents raise you to know better. And when you go and do bad things, they think they failed as a parent. Well, how do you think God feels? So let's just hope that uh, this thin veil and us being lost and not recalling our past, that we do know better and we can prove that. All right, guys, we have a really fascinating show coming up. I hope you stick around after the break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. 
To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio at Coast to Coast AM <laughs> Paranormal Podcast Network. You guys, I want to remind you to go to Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and find me and follow me at one, put a number one, in front of Heidi Hollis. And don't be afraid to reach out. I am telling you guys, I love interacting with the people that reach out and uh, tell me some of the subjects they like me to cover and some of the topics that they've experienced personally. I I really, really uh, love connecting. And uh, I also want to remind you, go to HeidiHouse.com and ShadowFolks.com and tell me your stories there. All right, you guys, I'm going to get to our guest, who is Daniel Duke who is the great-great-grandchild of Jesse James. He grew up surrounded by stories of lost outlaw treasures. And for more than two decades, he has been researching the mysteries involving his connection with family, Freemasonry, the Knights Templar, and the secrets of the Wild Wild West. So I would like to welcome Daniel Duke to the program. How are you doing over there, Daniel? I'm doing great. Thanks. And thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, the fabulous history. My goodness. what I, I can't imagine having such a, a blood relation to somebody in the, the family that was uh, it's just notorious. I mean, in American history. I mean, everybody knows the, the name Jesse James. I mean, what does that feel like to know that... Uh, You've got that connection like that. I grew up hearing that story. So it was kind of just, I guess, the normal. Um, it, it was normal for me. Uh, but when it the, the things that he was connected to is what blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, so it, that is it, the whole story that we're digging into here today. Because Jesse James, okay, the gunslinger. Who would have thought that he had ties with the Freemasons? How did that happen? Yeah, that's a that's that's a great question. Um, when when we first start, you know, growing up, I heard the story. My mother heard the story. My grandfather heard the same story. Um, everybody always passed it down that Jesse faked his death. He didn't die like history said, and and he lived to the age of ninety seven and died in Texas. At you know, a ripe old age in 1943 is when he died. Um, and we just took that as, you know, that that was normal for us. But my late mother decided to dig into that and find out which was which story was true, the family story or traditional history. And she, over the years, she had proved that traditional history was wrong on the way he died. Um, 
and you know we we were excited about that and that's that's what started her books and then when she died uh, my sister and I vowed to continue the story um and that's when I went ahead and I, I was never going to post a story about the treasures. And after my my mother had passed away, I decided to go ahead and write that book and get that out there. Um, and it was several reasons why I chose to do that, but mostly because she passed away and I just wanted the whole story out. But uh, we we decided, you know, we wanted to find out who was who was telling the truth, the family or, or the history books. And we it. It was interesting to see the reaction when we came out with the truth. Uh, some people loved it, and some people who were tied in with the the James family farm in Missouri weren't happy to hear it at all, which shocked us. That was actually the biggest shock we had. So what was their reaction? What was the problem? They didn't want to hear it at all. They wanted, they, um, I think what happened, there's the, the farm that he grew up on in Kearney, Missouri, and then up the road about oh, 30 minutes away, 30, probably 30 to 40 miles north of Kearney is St. Joseph, Missouri. And the house that they have a house in St. Joseph, Missouri, where Jesse was allegedly assassinated. And they bring in they brought in uh, millions of dollars a year in tourism money. And I think that's what tied that that was the main uh, I guess the the trigger that set them off. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to talk about it. And that was that. Uh, so they ended up getting a, an exhumation in 1995. They exhumed the alleged grave of Jesse and everything about their exhumation and the way they performed it was proven to be false. Uh, the hair they tested <laughs> didn't come from Jesse's head. It came from a, another man's head. Uh, uh, the lawyer who was over that, uh, he was, there was a, a guy at the time, it was a Clay County Parks Director and the Clay County Commissioner. And the Parks uh, parks Director and the Commissioner were good friends. They they held possession of the hair and a tooth that was tested because they, when they exhumed the grave, they couldn't get DNA samples out of the grave. In fact, there was uh, multiple bodies in that grave. It was a woman, a woman's bones and male bones. So, uh, they couldn't figure out which bones to test. None of those bones produced any good at, or good DNA or DNA they were looking for. So they they petitioned the court to get the hair and the tooth that the the attorney or the Clay County Parks director held, and um, it, that tooth didn't. He he said he hated the way the exhumation was being held. It was a tawdry sideshow. And he didn't he didn't agree with any part of it. So he pulled the hair out of his friend's head and submitted that as and, and his friend's name was John Hartman. He was a parks director. It was he had to, he he worked for the Clay County Parks Department. Um, he pulled a hair out of his head and submitted that and they tested it. And they even built documentaries based on that false hair or the false sample. And they claimed that they had proven Jesse died, as history said. And when we dug into it, we found out all those secrets like that and others. And just no pun intended, but my late mother blew their story full of holes. <laughs> Sounds like it. My goodness. And you're carrying on the tradition. You and your sister. So yeah. for people that don't know, how would you summarize uh your great great grandfather Jesse James, like what made him stand out in American history? 
he, what made him stand out? He, you know, some people called him a bad man. He was a robber. He robbed uh, stages, banks, and trains. And, you know, that's not typically considered as good. But uh, he was also said to have helped the poor people, uh, kind of like a modern-day Robin Hood. And a lot of people in the day called him America's Robin Hood. And that's and there was a, a one journalist in particular, John Newman Edwards, who wrote who he was basically PR for Jesse and his his entire gang. Uh, he, he wrote sad stories on how poorly they were treated during and after the war, uh, after the Civil War. And he just he he wrote great stories in favor of the James gang. And that that's that led to his his. Uh, I guess his his reputation for standing up for the modern, the common man. I see. You know, and, and as you're talking, I'm just like envisioning this this uh, you know guy on a, on a the cowboy hat riding his horses around, you know, doing what was seen as rotten things. But if he's helping out the common man, I mean, hey, I think I'm sure he drew a, a crowd of support. But now, yeah. how did he get involved with this whole, so Freemasonry, he faked mm-hmm. his death, and he joined yeah. them. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? You know, we just don't think about that. We just don't yeah. think about that possibility. But look at the history of Freemasonry. I mean, it goes pretty far back, right? Yeah, it does. Um, you know. And some Freemasons I've spoken to, they seemed appalled to, to think that an outlaw would have joined Freemasonry. And a couple of other people have mentioned that to me. But when you look at Freemasons history back to the Templar, they descend from the Knights Templar and they claim that um, they the Templar themselves were outlaws in their day for centuries. And in 1307, the Catholic Church, in, co- in cooperation with the King of France, it was uh, Philip the Fair at the time, they raided the Templar castles and strongholds trying to get all their gold and silver. And that from that day forth, they've been considered outlaws, or they were by the Catholic Church and for centuries by most of Europe, So who were controlled by the Catholic Church. Um, it's kind of, and a lot of them turn to piracy. So, you know, there's, it's, some people find it hard to believe, but if you look at the historical aspect of it, that the Templar themselves were outlaws. Yeah. You know, and desperate people do desperate things and that's how we get uh, so-called criminal activity. You know, they're with, they're lacking something. So, and they see you driving by in your sports car and they're like, Hey, I want that. <laughs> and I can, you know, knock you off your tricycle and get it. <laughs> so, That's true. You know, so it's like, it's not a, it's not a stretch of the imagination why people do these types of things. And it's like what motivated Jesse James to do what he did. And then to kill himself or not, you know, not bully, not truly, but in the eyes of the public, so he could go off and do other things. Now, what were those other things? That's the question. What was he up to in the Freemasons? He, um, you know, and it's hard. I still haven't found the answer as to when he joined. Uh, I don't know if he joined under his real name of Jesse or under his alias of James L. Courtney. I've talked to a couple of Masons who were elderly gentlemen. Some of them are passed by now. And they said all the Masons in his area knew exactly who he was. They knew he was Jesse James. Um, but he, either way, he was, he joined the Masons. And I believe, I'm, I don't have proof yet, 
but I believe he joined during the Civil War. Um, General Albert Pike, he was a brigadier general for the Confederacy. Um, Albert was, you know, a famous 33rd degree Mason. He wrote the books, uh, many books, but one of his most famous books was Morals and Dogma. Um, Jesse and the group he rode with during the Civil War had camped with Albert Pike, you know, several times at least. And I, I've often wondered if that's where he was exposed to Freemasonry. Uh, I know his, a lot of his ancestors were also Freemasons, so it may have come, just been a family tradition. I'm not sure. Oh, it does stick in the families. Well, we got to get to our next break. You guys, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. I have Daniel Duke, who is the great-great-grandchild of Jesse James, the outlaw, Freemason, <laughs> Knight Templar. Uh, goodness, I, I don't know how deep this all goes, but, you know, a point to, to make here. It's, it's interesting to me that, uh, you know, he goes into the Freemasonry and, and may have faked his own death. And, you know, you think about outlaws of today, people who have... Uh, broke the law and sitting in jail but they've got skills right they're able to hack a a, a computer they're able to break into safes and you think the government will let that talent go to waste oh heck no no they're gonna go on the payroll they're gonna have these big passes to jump out of jail and you know i don't think it's a stretch of the imagination that uh jesse james may indeed have done that uh to do certain things with his special skills for certain people that's true um, in, in his day, well, during the Civil War, especially, he rode with Quantrell's guerrillas. And that's where he got, I'd, I would say, all of his training. Actually, most of his training was during the Civil War. He was uh, 14 years old, roughly, when he started. Uh, he was still a young man or teenager when the war ended. And, um, you know, 
you combine the mindset of a teenage boy with those kind of skills and it's the I guess the sky's the limit in in some aspects um he, they were like special forces in their day ah that makes sense okay well then we we get how he got into the business that he did so how does this all play into the tie-in with the the knights templar and and the treasures like what did you come across that um when we first, you know, there was a treasure map that had been passed down through the family and trying to figure that out. It took years to figure that out over 20 years. And, and uh, where do you live again? And where's this treasure map? I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> it's in, it's in Central Texas. Oh, OK. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Currently, I'm living in northeast Texas, but it all started in Central Texas. Uh, got the we had the treasure map. It was encrypted. There was a lot of code on it. We we finally cracked the code, and the code wasn't too hard. It was just uh, substituting numbers for letters, and sometimes it, the alphabet would be either forwards or backwards. Uh, finally figured that out, but we still didn't have any topographic landmarks. And a man named George Roaming, he was also he was a thirty second degree Freemason, um, a former World War II vet. He was an elderly gentleman when I met him. He had. When he was a young boy, around 10 to 12 years of age, Jesse, he lived near where Jesse lived when Jesse was an old man. Um, Jesse hired George to help him move 700 bars of gold, each weighing about 15 pounds each, 20 miles away where they met several other old men, two other old men who had, who had both also hired two younger boys about George's age. And George knew the two boys. Um, they buried the 700 bars of gold uh, about two years later they'd all lied about their age and joined world war ii at the end of the war george was the only one living all the old men had died of old age and the other two boys who helped him bury the gold had died during the war so george as far as he knew was the only man who knew about the gold and before he passed and I, this sounds like a typical treasure legend um he had contacted my mother about 10 years prior, but he was, he knew he was, well, he kept getting sick. He thought his time was close. So he drew a map and showed my mother and I where the gold he buried was. So we followed the map. It's currently, or, or the, at least the location of it is on a Fort Hood military reservation. And when we found that out, we thought, you know, we're not crossing over that line. You know, that's <laughs> no. a good way to end up in a federal prison. So. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But the part that helped was we knew a location and we went from there, um, you know, around the around the time it was actually before George had passed away. uh, Wagner Carr, he was a former attorney general for the state of Texas. He'd sent he was interested in Jesse and the treasures as well. He he contacted my mother um, after several conversations, he had his drive. He sent his driver to pick us up and show us where the locations of three large catches were were buried. And those, uh, according to him, they the the state of Texas oversaw the recovery of those treasures. I asked him where they went. He never would say a word. Uh, that he didn't want to talk about that. And I I'm sure I, I don't even know where that could have ended up. But uh, it gave me four a total of four locations after that to go by and there was a template uh if you look up knights of the golden circle 
they were a, a, like a secret service for the Confederacy during the Civil War. Uh, during the Civil War, they were they would sabotage railroads and burn bridges and things like that, trying to slow the movements of Union troops. After the Civil War, the Knights of the Golden Circle, who everybody calls KGC, uh, the acronym, they uh, they they wanted to to it said that they wanted to fund a second civil war, which reminds me of two rival football teams. You know, the, the loser never wants to just give up. They want to fight again. Of so course. Uh, they were uh, based on the stories about them. They were, their goal was to get as much money as they could any way they could to fund a second civil war. I don't, I, I believe that's what they wanted, but I don't believe that's how it went. And I think Freemasonry, or aspects of the Freemasons like Jesse and others may have used that as a way of getting as much gold as they could and redistributing it to their catches that they had. Um, and in, what I'm getting to make a long story short, the, the Knights of the Golden Circle, it's, you can type in Knights of the Golden Circle treasure template and you'll find like in Google or, or Yahoo, wherever uh, you'll find a, a picture of this template. It's, it's like a rhombus or a diamond shape. And it's got two circles in it and some symbols. Well, that is one cell of a grid system that covers the Americas. And I'd found this out over years. Uh, when I started lining it up on Google Earth, I, I thought, okay, you know, at the time, I had no, no reason to, to disbelieve the Knights of the Golden Circle involvement. But I started, I lined these up, and I noticed they lined up with a lot of treasure legends, but also areas of historical importance that predated the Knights of the Golden Circle by centuries. And, and for, for that reason and several others, I discounted the involvement of the Knights of the Golden Circle. I think they were, um, I guess, to, this isn't a nice way to put it, but in a way they were considered useful idiots in a way. <laughs> um, they, I, think, I think the Masons used what they had um, and attribute it to their own template. I think the template was a Masonic template and not a Knights of the Golden Circle template. But um, it lines up with Oak Island, uh, the Newport Tower in Rhode Island that's attributed to John D. And, and the Templar. There's, there's controversy over who did it. Um, but after all the research, I found out whether it was John D. or the Templar, it was the same organization. Uh, it lines up with Victoria Peak, New Mexico, where back in the 30s, approximately $3 billion of, of gold was found by a man named Doc Noss, who ended up murdered a few years later. Um, that, that gold had about $3 billion in treasure in it in the 30s. And can you imagine what that would be worth today? But all those treasures outdate or predated the Knights of the Golden Circle by centuries. Um, and, oh, and the, the treasure in New Mexico at, at Victoria Peak is even mentioned in the Watergate hearings. Oh, wow. (laughs) This goes deep. I mean, wow, we've been all over the map from Oak Island to uh, (laughs) your backyard, pretty much. It's crazy. Yeah, and the thing about the, the the template that I'm talking about, that makes a grid system. I found out it's a medium, a large, medium, and small template, which, uh, And those overlay another template, which is in the shape of the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, which stretches from Williamsburg, Virginia, to uh, Victoria Peak, New Mexico. And, you know, there's 10 main points on the Kabbalistic Tree of Life. 
that that ties in with. And then the grid system overlays that and the grid system, the whole thing ties in with the tree of life. It's, it's really interesting to me. And that blew my mind as well. Um, it it's the, the grid system is represent or symbolic of the three negative, three, three veils of negative existence, which always accompanies the Kabbalistic tree of life. Um, and, and I know that I could get real deep in that, but I wanted to know who did this and why and what the dimensions were. Why did they lay it out in the certain dimensions that they did? Like uh, so many miles from, from the center to say the inner circle and then the outer circle. And it all tied in with uh, that led me down rabbit holes. Like you wouldn't believe uh, ties in with a lot of esoteric uh, traditions from the middle East and throughout Europe, Christian, Jewish and middle Eastern Kabbalah or, or I'm sorry, tri- Christian, Jewish and occult Kabbalah and a lot of other traditions. So I, I ended up yeah, before this all started, when I heard the word Kabbalah, I thought, you know, that's that thing where uh, celebrities in Hollywood wear a red string on their wrist. That's as much as I knew about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it really it really blew my mind as to how deep it went. And it just it kept going. Uh, so I found out. Um, it was in a way it's like doing a family tree only for an organization. And it went from Jesse and his group. He joined, he was a Freemason. Most of the men with him were Freemasons and went from Freemasons through the founding fathers back to, uh, uh, Sir Francis Bacon, who is known as the, the founder of modern day Freemasonry. And I thought, okay, this is the guy who did it. He wrote a book called the new Atlantis which is basically an out, um, like a blueprint for what America was meant to be. Um, and I thought, this, this is great. This is the guy who did it. I'm finally satisfied. I've, I've you know, followed the trail to the end. That lasted for about three days until I got to digging around people who surrounded Sir Francis Bacon, uh, like his mentor, John D., who was known as the original 007. He was an alchemist, and the 007 signature that he would sign his letters with when he wrote to the queen was was actually, they were actually uh, alchemical symbols. And around that time, and I, stop me if I'm rambling too much. Uh, oh, no, it's great. You know, I want to pick this up after the break, if that's okay. I'm wondering how many connections to Kevin Bacon that Sir Francis Bacon. <laughs> well, all right, you guys, we got to get to our next break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. 
Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Wow, Daniel, uh, it, it's it's so much and it, it's so fascinating. I, I want you to finish your thought where you're speaking uh, just a minute ago. Okay, yeah. Um, so I, I thought Sir Francis Bacon was the final, the, the guy who came up with all this. And until I looked, it, that, that feeling of peace finally ended about three days later when I found out there was a lot more. Uh, it went from from Sir Francis Bacon to his mentor, John Dee, uh, through men like uh, Sir Christopher Wren, who had connections with with uh, the, William, the Church of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. And that ties back to what I'd mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, there was a lady named uh, Marie Bauer Hall. She was the wife of another famous Freemason, 33rd degree Freemason named Manley Palmer Hall. Uh, Marie had had worked, spent much of her life decoding um, encryptions she found in the works of Shakespeare. And uh, that led her to Williamsburg, Virginia, the Bruton Parish Church. And in that churchyard, there's a cemetery. Some of the gravestones had anagrams on them. And I'm trying to make this a real quick story. Um, the, through, throughout the, well, decrypting the encrypted or encrypted art and words in the writings of Shakespeare, which she attributes to Sir Francis Bacon and some of his close friends, and the anagrams on the headstones in the cemetery of Bruton Parish Church, she found out that there was an original church that was older than the one that's standing, and no one believed her. She proved them wrong and found the foundations of the original church in the same churchyard, and it went further than that to claiming that there was a vault 22 feet deep beneath the uh, foundations of the original church that had treasures that that would if it was normal treasures like you know the, the typical gold silver and jewels but it went further than that and included information that she said would shake history shake the foundations of history as we know it and it also included information that would shake a lot of modern large religious beliefs my goodness. Uh, so, yeah, and that that's that that's a handful in itself. Um, but I kept going and back to San, uh, Francis Bacon and the connections. It ended up going through a lot of well-known historical figures. Leonardo da Vinci was one. Um, there were a lot of them. It went back through Rosicrucians, alchemists and Jewish rabbis who tied into like a one writing on one of the guys, uh, Paolo Riccio. He was a they claimed he was a converted Jewish, a Jewish man who had converted to Catholicism. Um, he wrote a book which was he he translated some Kabbalistic works from Abraham Abulafia. And on the title, the cover page of that book written in, or published in 1516, there were hidden symbols all over the cover of it showing the new world. I, I laid the map over the picture over the tiles in the floor on that cover art. 
and it was a map of the known world pointing down to it. And he also had a tree of life. It, everything about that, that cover tied in with the treasures in the new world, in the Americas. Um, and it kept going. It went all the way back to a rabbi known as Rashi, who was a favored court guest of Hugh, the Count of Champagne, who was one of the founder of the Templar. So I'd found all that. I wrote my first book and I thought people are going to think I'm insane when I, when this comes out, I got it. You know, I, I got extremely fortunate and, uh, uh, found, found a literary agent who would take on, you know, who loved it. And she found a publisher a few months later. And I thought people are going to think I'm insane. But, um, what made my day was the current grandmaster of the Knights Templar, Timothy Hogan, who's also an author and a lecturer. Uh, he wrote a glowing endorsement of my book and said that I had cracked part of the code dealing with the treasures that tied back to the temple in Jerusalem. Oh, that is quite a compliment. Yeah, that that it, even today, that gives me goosebumps when I think of it. Um, it it ties back. I'm sure a Maybe, well, I would imagine a lot of your listeners have heard of, and you yourself have heard of the Da Vinci Code yes. and, and the book that he based that on, the Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Um, this, the the story that I wrote about that ties in with Jesse and the treasures in the Americas is a continuation of that story. Whoa. Without, I, I just, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm just like, I let that sink in and took, wow, okay. Wow. Yeah. That that blew my mind. I mean I'm still it it make yeah, it gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. Right. Starting but, out searching an old west outlaw and you find out you through him stumbling across one of the biggest treasure stories in history. This is this is crazy. So I yeah. mean there's so much that you've uncovered. You know, people always say if I had a superpower I'd want to fly. I'm like, I want to be able to dig. I want to go through dirt really yes. fast because there's so much history right underneath our feet that there people is. have been bearing for literally for a very long time. And I know there's so much that needs to be unearthed. And you've been doing quite a bit in your research and unearthing. But where do you go from here? I mean, are you still uncovering things that it might fit into another book. I have. Um, it's it's led me to three books. I've wrote, written all three books. The first one was about the treasures. The second was about how Jesse faked his death and um, lived to the age of ninety seven, and you know, as as a farmer in Texas. Um, and then the last book, the the most recent one, was about his uh, powerful connections to the Baptist Church and several other organizations. He's I even see, related. I he, see these different. titles. These yeah. are these are good. Jesse James and the Lost Templar Treasure, The Mysterious yes. Life and Fake Death of Jesse James, and Secret History of the Wild Wild West. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Man. So you were saying just now? Oh, well, I mean, he's even related to U.S. presidents. Uh, and this one president in particular isn't the most popular by any means. It was uh, President Lyndon Baines Johnson, LBJ. Um, I, I never met LBJ of course, but I did meet, um, and a man who I'm trying to, trying to not say it. So I don't, I don't want to offend the wrong people, but, um, <laughs> Billy saw Estes. He was known as a con man. Some people called him kind of like, well, a hitman in, in ways for LBJ. Um, he, he would sell non-existent, uh, uh, grain like fertilizer plants, 
to, to, to investors back on Wall Street and he'd get a ton of money. And some of that money was said to have been filtered through to LBJ, which is what got him where he was. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you know, there, there's so many, you know, we think about conspiracy theories today, but the stuff from the past just, it, you know, it's, you know, the things that are old uh, are new again. Let's put it that way, because we hear yeah. these types of <laughs> supporting uh, funds that come from shady places at times. And we yeah, wonder. <laughs> I met I met uh, Billy Saul Estes at an at an exhumation of a grave in Granbury, Texas. I met him and that I had already met Wagner Carr, the former attorney general for Texas, who, by the way, sat on the Warren Commission who uh, investigated the assassination of JFK. And I, I always steer clear of that. I don't want to get down. I don't want to go down that road. Um, I'm just sticking with Jesse and the Templar and the treasures. That's smart. Yeah. Because they're not even releasing those records all these years later. You know, it's yeah. like, there's a yeah. lot of people still living that were involved in that mess. I'm assuming, you know, why yeah. else? <laughs> yeah, there's, there, exactly. Yeah. You know? I, I I stopped with LBJ. There's a lot more connections, but that's that's where I wanted to stop. I didn't want to make the wrong people angry at me. So. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, it's this this is amazing. It's it's deep stuff, you know. So if people wanted to check out your books, or uh, I don't know, hand over some secret papers that they've got in their family uh, to help you writing your next book, how do they get a hold of you? What's your website? Well, my website is danieldukeauthor.com. I'm, I've got so many emails and websites, but you can you can Google my name, uh, Daniel Duke and Jesse James. Uh, you can find my website. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Dan Duke Author. Um, and I always have to say author because there's several other Dan Dukes. Or, I, I bet this kind of has this this flow to it. So I see authordanduke.com. That's your main website? Yes. Awesome. Well, this has been fascinating and well, there's, there's so much uh, to dig into yet. And I really appreciate you coming on the program. This is really, really a unique conversation. I have to say. <laughs> thank you. Well, I, I, I thank you for having me on the program. It's a great honor. Yes, truly. All right. Well, um, you guys, we have come to the bottom of another fabulous program. I, I learned a lot today, and um, actually, I plan to put uh, uh, Dan in touch with a friend of mine who did the film Bloodline. I think they're going to have some interesting conversations about uh, some of these Knight Templar connections and Freemasonry. Wow. Just just wow. Uh, you guys, also, I want to remind you, go to my main website, which is HeidiHollis.com or shadowfolks.com go and follow me follow this program go to instagram go to twitter facebook and put a one in front of my name so at one heidi hollis and connect with me chat with me i love conversating <laughs> you'll be surprised uh, and also don't forget to check out my comic my paranormal comic strip it is called the outlanders and you can find it at the outlanders comic on Instagram or theoutlanderscomic.com. I am never bored. I'm always doing something, writing several books at the same time and juggling all at the same time. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know what? I I have to give it to you guys. 
I mean, I have received so many bits of information about so much that's going on, so many of the worries that are going on out there in the world, and so many paranormal events. And I'm telling you, one step at a time. Let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves and think the worst is happening. I just have this really awesome feeling that uh, everything's going to be okay. Good wins in the end. Remember that. All right, you guys. You have been listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Stay safe, everybody. Goodbye. Well, if you liked this edition of Dark Becomes Light, wait till you hear the next one. You've been listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you haven't heard, it's a good idea to fit probiotics into your daily routine. Fortunately, Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls make that so easy. These adorable little pearls couldn't be easier to take, and they support both digestive and vaginal health. All because of the probiotics. There are actually 1 billion active cultures protecting against occasional bloating, constipation, and digestive discomfort, all in one tiny little pearl. To learn more about Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls and how they can fit into your routine, visit naturesway.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.